Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello. Whoa. Whoa. That's do you want me to do the intro, <laughs> co-host? You could do if you want. Go on, give it a go. No. <laughs> I'm not prepared for that this early Too in the morning. Pressure. Well, clearly nor am I, because I can't talk. <laughs> Hello, one and all, and welcome to After the Checkered Flag, our F1 special series here on the Behind the Glass podcast. I'm, of course, one of your hosts, <laughs> Sam, regular host of Behind the Glass podcast, <laughs> uh, and I'm joined by your co-host for the After the Checkered Flag series, Paul from Supercars of London. Hello. It is early on a Monday morning. Um, <laughs> And I have to just start immediately with a confession. Not that my voice has not broken yet, <laughs> as it seemed to prove a moment ago. Um, but that I was away this weekend. You were. I was traveling. I, I one of those annoying projects that I can't talk about yet. You know, I have to wait. <laughs> Everything's signed under contract. Exactly. I've signed endless sort of pieces of paper that say, if I talk about it, then I'll be sued. So I'm not allowed to tell you where I was or what I was doing, but it was a big project that meant I was very far away with no phone signal. <laughs> you were uh, far away and in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and no access to a television to watch the races. So I basically missed everything. <laughs> <laughs> I have, of course, caught up with all the action from Imola. I always think of it still as the San Marino Grand Prix. Is that showing my age? <laughs> yes. From back in definitely. the late 90s, early noughties. Ah, San Marino. Um, I don't know what it's called now. Because Emilia. Is it Roman, Roma, Romagna. Romagna. Is that what it's called these days? So, yeah. Because yeah. it went through that like Grand Prix of Italy, 50th celebration, <laughs> yeah, Heineken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so it's now the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix at Imola. Uh, I caught up on all the action watching sort of highlights on the F1 YouTube channel, which I have to say just gets better and better mm. every year. So thank you, Formula One. Um, and I've tried to read some tweets and some articles to kind of understand exactly what happened over the weekend because... If you opened up your phone as I did on Sunday evening to go, <gasps> what was the result? <laughs> I looked at it and I was like, what? <laughs> what happened? What was this race? So I just did a post on Instagram uh, asking for lots of you to let us know what you want us to discuss or what you think the key points were. Excellent. So we'll review that a little bit later. But for now, Paul. <laughs> You're asking me <laughs> yes. to carry this section. You, oh. I'm not just carry this section, carry this whole episode. <laughs> what happened? Well, I saw a lot on social media during and after saying, that was a little bit boring. And I was sat there, like, pumped. I was full of an adre adrenaline. I actually re-watched the highlights. So oh I watched God. the race live. What a keynote. Yeah. And actually, by the time that the race had finished, forgotten what had happened. So I then waited until the evening uh, to watch 
the highlights because there are so many questions that I had during the weekend. We obviously discussed a little bit of them on WhatsApp. Tony made a very good couple of points and I think if he wasn't feeling poorly today, we could have at least maybe FaceTimed him and, and, and got his points across. Um, but firstly, should we talk about sprint race? Yes, I thought that would be a good place to kick things off. Not sprint race. Well, yes, our first sprint. Yes. Apparently, according to Formula One, they don't want us to call it a race. I mean, oh. it is. <laughs> um, but officially, it's just sprint. sprint. Uh, so our first <laughs> sprint of the year. Um, now, well, look, I'm going to jump Because in. they changed a lot well, just for, the the, points, for, right? for this season. That is a lot because it means that people slash drivers will be putting their cars in in greater risked positions to to gain these points. So Especially there's, a, there's more of an incentive to go out and actually yes. crack on. Because last season it kind of felt like it was there. It was a little bit of a test, but it didn't mean anything. And drivers were too scared to overtake because they were kind of happy with the majority of the time, the position they qualified in, they didn't want to put their nose in, get clipped and wipe out and then six positions back to then have an even worse start on the on the race on Sunday, which was where the points mattered. You're, you're right. I can understand. Basically, I don't like the idea of it because I'm a bit like, why? It's a bit sort of, to me, a bit sort of Formula 2, a bit sort of junior series. Now, of course... I'm sure the justification is, well, more action throughout the weekend. And I know that's why you like it. There's, you know, you've got three days of, of genuine action, Friday qualifying, which I have to say, I do enjoy I Friday, Friday qualifying. qualifying. Uh, and then you've got the, the sprint on Saturday and then the race on Sunday. But for me, it takes a little bit of the buzz out of the race, the main Grand Prix, because qualifying set us up perfectly. We had that sort of wet session. We had a bit of a mixed up grid, a bit of sort of unpredictability with only one practice session. And, if that was leading directly into the only race of the weekend, it would have been like, oh, wow. Then the sprint happened and it was like, well, clearly Red Bull had got the race pace advantage. So that's not in question. So I almost felt like, well, Sunday's a given that that's Mm. a Red Bull. And then because, you know, various other drivers were able to sort of reposition themselves, we sort of, it felt like we were going to be left with a fairly, um, uh, 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 help me with the word, when they're following each other for a long time and no one's, come on. Processional. Thank you. My <laughs> God. I told you it's early on a Monday morning. A fairly processional race. Obviously, that didn't quite turn out to be true. And maybe that was me being harsh because last year during sprints, actually the Grand Prix often ended up being maybe even more exciting. Mm. Can I, I'll, I'll pitch something to you. Okay. So if you're F1, don't get rid of the sprint. Don't do more because well, they're already talking about doing more next year. Instead, where you had highlighted sprints, just do two day weekends. Okay. So it's Saturday and Sunday only. Friday, I don't know what you could do. Fun media day, or I don't know what. But track action is only on Saturday and Sunday. And you have a practice session qualifying and then straight into the race on Sunday. Now, I as a spectator enjoy the idea of that. Tell me what you think as a spectator. And then I think we already know exactly why F1 wouldn't do that. But go on. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the reason why F1 wouldn't do that is because of the TV coverage. Money. How do they, how do they sell that yeah. as a package over, yeah. hey, we can have action on the Friday, <laughs> yeah. the Saturday. I talked myself out of that as <laughs> and I the Sunday. It. I wouldn't be very good in Dragon's Den, would I? <laughs> Guys, invest in my company that's already closed. But mm. I also see your argument because you, I was kind of just watching those words come out of your mouth and kind of understood they're almost revealing 
like the curtains are coming up of the show a little bit too early before the show yes, is supposed well to start. Perfect so summary. you get an idea of how the cars are going to perform. And really the only way that the race is going to hold its own and be exciting in its own sort of pinnacle, uh, what's the uh, what's the word? Its own way. Its it's, own, yeah, yeah, is is if the weather changes, sure, so that the yeah. cars behave in a different way. Um, and in a way, that happened this weekend. What is it about Imola? It always. Runs. Oh my god! I mean, it's great. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, it's in northern Italy in when are we? April. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it is going to yeah, rain, and that's fantastic. I'm all for that. Yeah, and we kind of need it because it's not. We a, do and we don't because mm. the first twenty laps of the actual race bypassing the sprint was so exciting and that's where i love to see because it was really the first time that the drivers were at 100 110 putting their cars in the position to risk dropping back going forward we saw signs ricardo and bottas kind of have a little bit of an off and then schumacher did a spin uh which was lovely i mean did you see sonoda going down the straight nope literally all four tires on the grass going <gasps> into turn one Oh my God. Go on, Yuki. <laughs> yeah, it was unreal. Full um, this and year. that was him trying to battle with Schumacher. And then somehow Schumacher ended up losing uh, positions. Um, once that 20th lap had really settled in, because that was, it was 16 to 20 that I think the drivers started to realize, and Danny Rick being the guinea pig, going onto the, the mediums. Once all of that hype and excitement around the pits had finished and everyone kind of settled into having tyre temperature and the race stewards not introducing DRS, it was like, what now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, because we saw that the cars could follow. The cars could stick so close. Um, in a, even with DRS, the cars couldn't overtake down the straight. And that was because off the dry line, it was too dangerous to outbreak the car that was... So the drivers were having a really difficult time positioning their car to make an overtake because the cars down the straight weren't that fast or fast enough to make the overtake to then position themselves in a more favourable position for turn one. But because off the line it was wet, they didn't want to risk that. So we actually lost out on so much overtaking action because of the weather. <laughs> That, this is the thing. So, Imola, you know, not famously the the highest overtaking track in the world, but we saw loads of overtakes yes. in random parts where we would not wouldn't necessarily see. And as you touched on in the sprint, Verstappen even doing overtake for the lead. Yeah. So, so we saw that these rules are aiding and assisting in the drivers being able to make overtakes and follow the cars closely. But we're also getting DRS trains. And as you say, when there's a sort of a clear on and off line, uh, you know, there's only so much that can be done. It's a narrow track as it is. Um, and so, yeah, it, it did feel like I literally, I caught the last five laps live as I landed back in the UK. And I was like, ah, okay. Like apart from the Bottas-Russell fight, it felt like, you know, Maybe I hadn't missed too much. It was then when I watched the highlights, I was like, oh no, here we go. <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to pick up on to argue with myself that, that you mentioned, you know, is that maybe the curtain's coming up too early on the main race. We, if we take Silverstone and even Monza actually last year, the sprint did lead to very exciting Sunday races. Of course, the Hamilton-Verstappen fight, you know, I think that, that uh, contact that happened between them was a result of what had happened the day before and Hamilton yeah. feeling like he sort of had to do what he had to do um, in terms of just, you know, leave his car in the corner. Um, Ricardo at Monza, you know, that victory was really a result of the sprint. Would he have been able to achieve that if it was a one race? So I see that it, it's just, 
it's just almost like too much for me. It's just like, you know, there's no, there's no main show. Like I can't really get my head into the excitement of a Saturday. I'm just a bit like, it's a bit, too, if it was three laps or something like that, I might get into it, but like, it's a bit sort of too long. And then I'm a bit like, okay, well, what does this all mean? And do you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just, maybe I don't like change. I'm, just, I think I'm still unsettled by it. I think you're a little bit old school. Yeah, probably. I think the newer generation, the newer viewer of Formula One, would 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 champion and do champion the idea of i just love and i know that this week in particular and this weekend was was slightly different to most but that friday when you finished whatever it is that you're doing filming being out and about and i was at silverstone last year for the qualifying and it just felt so atmospheric to have the sun coming down. I know it's slightly different in Imola, but like that evening Friday qualifying where you could just crack a beer open and there's an excuse to have a Friday evening of sport that we haven't had in the last decade, 15 years of motorsport that is Formula One that then leads into the weekend that you, you would usually expect for Formula One and having a little bit more of action on the Saturday leading into the Sunday build-up. You just need to get more hype for Sunday. I need to get more hyped and yeah. I need to make more time for myself because I, I mean, you know, in my household, Grand Prix weekends are always yeah. sort of, you know, a dark yeah. hole on humanity because I just disappear. So now the fact that I'm like, oh, it, it's a sprint. Yeah. <laughs> my wife is like, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyway, well, look, so quite a lot of talking points. I think let's dive in with the headline stuff mm. because we spoke in our last After Checker Flag episode, which by the way, can we just apologize for the technical issues? A few mm, of you Not my fault. You, literally not your fault. <laughs> I don't think it was my fault, but considering I run it all was, this technical it, it equipment. Was, no, 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 no. There was a technological error. The fact that you didn't spot it until post into yeah. the editing shows just how under the radar it swooped. It was a weird corrupt file, but anyway, hopefully you still were able to enjoy it. And I did, we did get a lot of great feedback. We always get great feedback, so thank you very much. I'm giving um, a thumbs up to those that are listening hopefully no issues this week but but what we touched on was leclerc ferrari italy and we were like there's we love the guy i love the guy i think you're coming around to him yeah but there is just still something inside of us that is like we don't trust this and unfortunately it kind of all came a bit unstuck for for and and for me this is my like i can't put 500 quid on him for the championship. Mm. I mean, what a swing. I mean, you know, for all of those who are like, oh, season's over. It's yeah, done. It's yeah, done. Yeah. What a swing. What yeah. an amazing result by Red Bull. Absolutely nailed that weekend. Maximum points left, right, and center. Have closed it right up. So now it just feels like a super tight championship once yeah. again. Both drivers and constructors, I think Max is what, 27 by points? The sprint, I may add. Well, no, but there you go. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, you know, really has spun it around so, so quickly. But aided by, firstly, Carlos Sainz having another shocker. I looked oh. at that weekend. If Ferrari were a cheese string, it was like a every hour string. they pulled off another layer and just threw it in the bin. And it just fell away from it them. fell Because on the Friday, they looked like they were like a second ahead mm. of everyone. I, yeah. I saw tweets, you know, as I was taking off being like, oh God, this weekend's over, yeah. like Ferrari. Yeah. And, it, and then it really wasn't the truth. And yeah, science. I... I <sighs> So many years he's had these dodgy starts of the of the year, you know, unreliability, unluck, bad luck, whatever it might be. It feels like at the moment he's trying to catch Leclerc's pace. He's trying Absolutely. to be like, I've got to get back on yeah. it, uh, and that's leading. He's to mistakes, feeling the which, pressure of being in a in a real top team and and having the pressure of collecting maximum points because he's never experienced this before. And being in a team with Leclerc as your teammate 
and now being given a car that is world championship worthy, or at least we think in these early stages of the season. Um, and yes, whilst the luck hasn't necessarily been in his favour, I do feel like he is trying to not only impress, but also chase Charles and keep himself within that fight. Um, but it's all right. What is it? We need a conspiracy about people that sign contracts. <laughs> yes. And then just and go boil. <laughs> completely. I mean, there's probably apart. not a conspiracy. No, 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 it's it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm here for another two <laughs> years. I'll take my foot off the pedal. <laughs> pun intended. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, look, I don't, I don't write him off at all. I think science is, is, kind of a genius and and as I say history suggests his second half of the season will be incredibly strong the question will be is if Leclerc can continue to operate or can operate (laughs) uh, at that top level consistently will he just be too far gone for science to sort of Mm. catch up in a championship mentality and I think he's already forcing himself to be viewed as a kind of second driver within that team which is unfortunate Let's just hope it's just a bit of bad luck, a bit of inconsistency that he'll iron out and, and we'll see Sainz operating like he did at the end of his McLaren years mm. uh, and, and uh, even, you know, Renault and stuff like that. He's, he's done well in, in recent It shows years. how important qualifying is. And also now with the, the sprint weekends, it shows how important the right finishes in the sprint because Sainz in qualifying crashed in Q2. Was it mm-hmm. Q2? Mm-hmm. Um, which obviously put him in the middle of the pack. Was it Q2 or Q3? I think he crashed at the you end of to, Q2. You have to tell me. Okay. Yeah, you, I mean, you saw it. Because yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. he was, I think he was P3 in Q2. Right. Then crashed, which meant he couldn't do Q3. Okay, fine. Um, but that just put him in the middle of the field to really um, put himself in a position. It wasn't his fault on turn one. Uh, with Ricardo, yeah, yeah, I did, I did um, see that, which yeah. is unlucky because I think Australia was his fault. But is he, was he not starting fourth or fifth on the Sunday? Yeah, after he made, his, Saturday, he'd made yeah. his way up yeah. through the sprint, which is what he needed to do, and then yeah. say hey, bad luck. But that, that's what we're seeing with him. You know, it is unfortunate, but it it reflects poorly upon him. Mm. But. Uh, has how we started this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. Carlos. We're talking let's about, talk about how overdriving <laughs> can cause a spin. <laughs> because yes, this is the first time you've tuned into our second flag, or at least the first time this year. We have regularly mentioned that as incredible a driver as Charles Leclerc is, when when the push really comes to the shove, when it really matters. There's just always this slight thought that maybe he's going to bin it, and <laughs> he proved that that is the case. Uh, unfortunately. In what what felt like such an unnecessary moment, the amount that he took those curbs, even Norris, Verstappen and Perez watching it after the race, Mm. were like, wow, he took a lot of curb. And it's like, was it really necessary? You know, you were, okay, you had the potential for a P2, great, but you were a P3 anyway. Yeah. Why why give yourself that risk? And it, it, it struck of that classic liqueur, like, ah, like overboiled red. Almost as though, because Formula One drivers to race for 63 laps aren't racing at 100% all of the time. There's tyre management, there's strategies, and there's pits that fit in there that Leclerc will be running or operating at, let's say, 70 to 80% most of the race. When he sees Perez where he was and needs to catch him, he'll creep it up, he'll turn it up a little bit because he wants to get into that DRS trigger zone to then enable it to have on the home straight. And that, I think, is what he was trying to to get by taking as much curb as he could, trying to straighten that chicane as much as possible, um, took too much and spun around. I actually think Leclerc thinks his 100% 
is 100% when actually it's about 105%. Yes. And it's, it's just too much. If he can balance and actually manage his 100%, then he'll be like Matt Verstappen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the thing is, you know, as I say, history shows that this is the case. Azerbaijan being a great example, Monaco many times, uh, plenty of other races where I say he's, he's just overstepped the mark. And the thing is, that's sort of relatively fine if you're a driver who's right on the edge and hey, heck, Verstappen for years was that guy until he ironed it out in 2019, was it? Mm. When he just, just went and demolished the world. Uh, Hamilton, of course, and his early years, you know, up until 2014, 15, he was a crasher. Um, Schumacher, many times. <laughs> uh, you know, so, so the greats can do this, but, but the stat, which is kind of the scary one for our year ahead, is every race that Verstappen has finished this year, he's won. He's won. And that, I think... However, for, that is only 50%. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but as Leclerc or Ferrari, you've got to see and think, we, yeah. have, we have to ensure that maximum um, damage limitation because if that's going to be the case, we cannot afford... Where did he end up finishing? Sit, yeah, sixth. Yeah. It's just not good yeah, enough when you've yeah. lost the sprint um, and then you've got Perez up there in P2 as well. So from a constructor's point of view, science is out. Like, it's just not good enough. And and realistically, what he should have done is tried his best to crash Perez, but thought, okay, Red Bull are just faster this weekend. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it what I can, but I'm not going to take any risks. Bag uh, third. Just bag third. Bag third. It, you know, if you can get second, great, but not to the point where he's doing what he did, where that could have been a race-ending incident. Mm. He was so lucky with the yeah. way that he hit those barriers. So... Look, hopefully it'll be a bit of a wake-up call. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Maybe this is what makes them exciting. Maybe we're going to be... I think it's a Ferrari wake-up call weekend. I 100%. Think because they know that if Red Bull can finish a race, they'll, they'll be up there and probably faster than them. And have more recent history of operating with two, mm. well, well, you know, with championship winning cars. You know, yeah. we don't, let's forget Ferrari. This has been a long time coming and the pressure is there from every single individual within that company, board members, the whole nation. And whilst Ferrari seem to have got it together, they haven't had to make championship winning decisions for a number of years. I mean, you know, e even if you think of Vettel and Mercedes, that really wasn't ever that serious. Uh, Alonso and... Um, Vettel mm. again okay yeah there were a couple of years there but going into final races and things like that it's, yeah. it's been a while so look let's wait and see but yeah it, it was not a great weekend for Ferrari a fantastic weekend from Red Bull oh, faultless faultless yeah. incredible from Verstappen Champi championship champ no a world champion driving <laughs> a world champ uh, a drive worthy of a world champion is Thank that where so we're much. going there we go we got <laughs> he, that he genuinely put the laps in early doors and he just got he just built up his lead to about 13 14 seconds and it was as though he stuck that car in cruise control he just kept that distance and drove his own race i imagine maybe they turned everything down to seven tenths yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 so yeah imp impressive from verstappen worrying for those of us who maybe want somebody else to win because <laughs> um, i was like oh if they fix these problems yeah, that guy's walking yeah. away with this but solid race from perez yeah good to see and i think it does feel like he has as they got closer a we talked mistakes. about it a bit a few mistakes oh he, let, brutal. He, he, he opened the door for leclerc okay so right critical but you know well i mean if you're going to be number two to max verstappen what in which part in the sprint or in the main race in the main race okay so what going in the main race he was four five seconds ahead of leclerc in p2 okay. um missed his break point and went over the 
the same chicane that Leclerc uh, spun at, which then meant that Leclerc basically closed the gap to about eight tenths. Wow. Uh, and then there was that real sort of, oh my God, I can't let him pass. Sure. Which two laps later meant that Leclerc spun. Bloody hell. Mm. Wish I'd seen that. Um, <laughs> okay. So, I mean, the thing that I guess I've been itching to talk about and Sky Sports F1 have made the biggest deal out of ever uh, and will continue to do so <laughs> is the fact that as I landed, I look at it and I see George Russell, oh, like P5. George and I'm like, Russell. Lewis, Lewis, Lewis. Lewis <laughs> yeah, where Lewis, is he? Lewis. He must have retired. <laughs> Genuinely. Yeah. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, he must have had an act. Like there must have been a crash on lap one or like something's gone horribly wrong here. <clears throat> and I texted you and you were like, nope, that's mm. just pace. I mean- not, not quite the truth, the full story. Um, oh yeah. It is. So, so when I rewatched the highlights, now I can attack this from whichever angle you may, <laughs> you may win. Would you like me to attack it from a Lewis Hamilton no. diehard fan? No, because I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> um, so George did run a very, very solid race. He had an amazing start, helped by Schumacher having a terrible start. Okay. So when you watch the helicopter and see the cars go off. Russell had overtaken Schumacher by the time Schumacher was in second gear. But okay. then the two cars behind Russell also got past Schumacher. So that shows how bad of a start Schumacher. George did two cars before he got to turn one. So it was P9 or something like that, or P8, P9 yeah. already. And then signs Ricardo into Bottas meant that George could sweep past all three of them. So okay. by the exit of turn one, he had overtaken five cars. In that time, Schumacher going backwards actually meant that he was fighting with Sonoda, with Lewis right behind him, meaning that Sonoda was on the grass, which if you're Lewis, you're like, what is about <laughs> <Yeah>. to happen? <laughs> this um, looks like death. Knowing that Schumacher is in front, they get to turn one, Schumacher spins, and, and Lewis just gets caught in that mess as well, knowing that Sonoda's on the grass, Schumacher's just spun in front of you. You've got three cars over there, so you can't go that way. He literally just got backed up, backed up, backed up. Welcome to starting a race in P13, Lewis. Exactly. <laughs> Which is what I was saying. You cannot qualify but, but in, the, in the middle of the pack because you'll end up with uh, rookies and experienced drivers where you don't know what to expect if he was up in p5 p6 knowing that perez signs, he knows their tactics and how he they knows that him. he he can stick his car there and he's not going to bounce a wheel off a body panel um so that was a mistake but then one of lewis's mistakes in the race he actually said to mercedes that it was too early to go on to intermediates which meant he stayed out for another lap uh. but by the time he came back round everyone had started to funnel into the pit so then he when he came into the pits it was a slow stop he got screwed over by ocon and Stroll, and then Gasly overtook him as well. So he lost out on a few positions there, whereas George had already been into the pits and kind of was on driver number one strategy. We've got to focus on him. So, well, of course, because the guys nailed top five finishes in the first five or- Mr. You know, Consistent. I mean, genuinely, in a car that we all all know is not even probably the third fastest now that McLaren have gone mm. up and running. Alpine is sort of there or thereabouts. You've got to look at Bottas and what he's doing. You know, where are Mercedes in the pecking order? We don't really know. On race pace, it seems to suggest they're the third or fourth of the midfield. You know, yeah, I was behind say, the yeah, 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 sort of like towards the far, the front of the midfield. But that's all well and good if you're if you're qualifying outside the top ten. You're just making your life incredibly hard. And okay, fine. So if there weren't the incidents. 
uh, Russell was maybe looking at a, a seventh or an eighth, yeah. maybe at yeah. best. I mean, the thing is, though, the guy was there to take advantage of the opportunity, did so, and 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 managed to keep his pace at a level that he was then there to pick up the points when Leclerc went backwards. So, you know, we said at the end of last year, you know, I'm not a massive Russell fan. I find it hard to like to to support him you know yeah. to to be enamored by him or whatever it is out of the car yeah in interviews I, you don't really get an idea of his personality and at the end of the day if you're following a sport if you're a fan you're always going to have your favorites and your mm. least favorites but we've always been able to admire what he's been able to achieve and i think we both said it and agreed on it that this is what he had to do this is what he needed to do when he got into mercedes the anticipation has been so high that if this was the other way around i think we'd all be being like Oh, well, how yeah, disappointing yeah. that this young kid that we all thought was going to be mega and everyone's touted as being the next Hamilton has come in and has been demolished by a 40-year-old guy. Like, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not uh, surprised. I'm not, I mean, I'm impressed. I'm not necessarily like, whoa. I think even <laughs> Rosberg, like, I love some of the Rosberg anecdotes. It's amazing. <laughs> was like, you know, I haven't seen enough to be like, wow. Yeah, but he's just yeah. doing a really good yeah. job, which is made to look better by Hamilton's disastrous mm. yo-yoing. Mm. You know, at the start of the year, Australia. and uh, I think in, in the Australian podcast, we were kind of coming out and being like, the GOAT. He's there to collect the points when a Verstappen retires. He's there. That's his consistency. That's why he's seven-time world champion. He was just unlucky with a safety car. Uh, yeah, Without yeah, that, yeah, he yeah. would have been on the podium. Like, oh my god! And and now you could you could flip if if George and Lewis literally flipped and Lewis was the one consistently collecting the points and George was kind of up there at P six, but then actually back there at P fourteen. You'd be like, yeah, you can kind of see that. But Lewis, what a god! And actually, you're now kind of going. Does he want to be driving? Does he want to be racing? Well, this is the question, right? You know, anyone who's watched Formula One for longer than Drive to Survive, ooh, a bit of shade, yeah. um, will know that, you know, this isn't as straightforward and as simple as the results suggest. Uh, so we, what, we're four right, Grand Prix, four Grand Prix in. Yes. Plus the sprint. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for two of them, Hamilton and Russell have been very evenly matched. And really, either of them could have been in other positions. You know, safety cars, I say, in Australia, uh, maybe disadvantaged Hamilton a little bit, um, but then also things in Bahrain maybe aided Hamilton a little bit. So the two races, the Saudi Grand Prix and Imola, are the ones that have really shown up that Hamilton is not bonding with this car. Mm. Russell has come in, has kept his head down, and is, is seemingly able to extract what that car can do in a race. I did see some funny comments, which I forwarded you from the press conference where <laughs> Norris and Verstappen were joking. I think Verstappen or somebody asked Norris, you know, do you think you're the third fastest car on the grid now? And he said, well, if I was George Russell, I'd be saying, I'm in the seventh or the eighth fastest car. <laughs> and Verstappen was like, oh yeah, you're, you know, it's all about the driver. So I think they were, they were sort of taking the piss out of him slightly because George has been very vocal and saying, look, the car's not that good, but here I am just nailing for top five finishes. <laughs> but yeah, but that's, that's, what, that's what he needs and that's what Lewis needs to be doing. And I think it's the fact that he's just adapted or he's understood that car or, or it's incapabilities a little better. Mm. And maybe it's just the fact, and we have seen it before with, with Vettel in Red Bull. I'm trying to think of some other drivers where rule changes or, or moments have moved where I think Hamilton's just not, gelled with that car yet you know he's not tuned into it he's not tuned into it and there'll be a part of it which is the guy has been used to being wholly at one with his formula one car turning up every single race weekend and just being completely connected Literally with it being able to drive it with two yes. fingers whatever he wants exactly to do exactly what's going to happen and 
being at the front, you know, fighting with. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. You know, other top drivers for race wins and a different mentality. And no matter what you say, no matter how great you are, that change of now there's a car that I don't quite understand, I haven't quite figured out yet, and I'm battling in the midfield and out of points, your psyche is always going to be a little bit due. So I'm not, I am defending him a bit, but I'm also like, Boy, is it, it's surprising. Mm. It's not what I think any Hamilton fan wanted to see. I don't think it discredits him. I'm going to say that, you know, Twitter and the drive to survive audience, <laughs> ah, shade again, <laughs> love to jump on going, ah, oh, yeah, see, look, put him in a crap car. He's average. Russell's dominating and blah, blah. I don't feel that way, but I do feel surprised at how much he's struggling with this car. We're four races in, long season ahead, plenty of time for him to hopefully figure that out. But maybe we said that about Ricardo and McLaren and that love story hasn't really sussed yeah. itself out. Vettel and his 2014 year with Ricardo, we were all like, oh, what's going on here? Ricardo's really got the upper hand. Oh, don't worry, Vettel will figure it out. He didn't really yeah. ever do so. So maybe maybe this is it. Maybe this, this formula of car won't sue Hamilton. Maybe he's not going to gel with it. At which point we have to ask the question that every news outlet is because it's clickbait. Hence why we used it as the title of this video. <laughs> what does Hamilton do now? Like what, what, what is it? Does he retire? Does he start thinking about changing team? Does he, what's his motivation level? Does he throw in the, like. I'll ask me those questions individually. And okay. Shall I answer them? Uh, I, that's <laughs> exactly why you're here, Paul. Uh, <laughs> so. I think we would both agree. So I'm going to take this one off the table. Okay. Hamilton's not the kind of guy that's just literally going to be like, throwing in the towel even though he's done that with the championship already. <laughs> yeah i'm out of the i'm out of the race so where where do you think his motivation levels are at at the moment this is the question that i want to answer because i think you can see his his disheartened nature in the interviews 
he definitely doesn't want to be interviewing. He he would rather be doing everything in his power to be figuring that car out rather than having to speak to people that then gets cut up and thrown across YouTube and TikTok and his words get spun and all of a sudden there's the title, he's retiring. Um, I, I, I definitely don't know he needs to dig really deep to find some sort of motivation because I felt as I was watching the race him going round and round and round even with DRS we know that Gasly had DRS and even Gasly couldn't even catch the Albon in the Williams unbelievable right I mean Albon is just what a a hero and I saw Gasly's post-race interview and he was like, there was nothing that we could do like we, we had DRS and we still couldn't catch the Williams down the straight so then you've got Lewis behind Gasly in P12, P13, P14. Every now and again, trying to make a move, trying to see whether he can lunge. I actually think he got to the point where it's like, what is the point? Mm-hmm. I'm lunging mm-hmm. and potentially uh, like putting my car at risk for P12. And at that point, I might as well just sit here and run the race, be really quiet. And you kind of then feel like he's in his car questioning what the hell he's doing there well you know we've seen it years even in the the big success years hamilton on the radio can be a sulker Mm. you know can be a mona can be a sulker and can all too easily seem to be weighed down when things haven't necessarily gone his way you know oh guys why did you put me in this situation oh we shouldn't be on this tire and there's nothing i can do and and often it's bono or the team having to be like come on lewis you can do this Mm. and we've talked about you know when he does get in that mindset he's fairly unbeatable in a quick car. Um, <laughs> but but at the same time, when he gets down on himself, it does seem that he does spiral a bit. Yeah. And I think you're right. From what I saw in the highlights, he was a bit like, oh, I can't drive this car. I'm in a DRS train. We didn't get on the right tires. Like, I'm just not moving. Yeah. And the thing is, I, I, I like to think as a Hamilton fan that his, men, his mental strength is bigger than that, mm. that, that, that there's a way that this will be turned around. And I... I say, it doesn't make me knock the guy at all. Like, I, you know, I've followed him since 2006. So I believe in the talent, but it's just clear that he's not gelling with this car. And I'm trying to bring up now, so I was rudely tapping away as you were talking there, because I'm trying to bring up some stats to have a look at and to sort of, you know, consider previous drivers. So one that I was looking at there was the 2005 season when Ferrari had a bit of an upset, you know, rule changes and Ferrari fell off the pace. Schumacher and Massa were more evenly patched, uh, matched because it was Massa's first year. Yeah. Right. But they weren't. I mean, Schumacher still finished third in the championship. And realistically, Massa was three or four places behind uh, Schumacher for most of, the, most of the year. But what I'm now going to look like is at um, Hamilton's first year at Mercedes. Because obviously, I remember when he joined Mercedes, there was a bit of a time where he was struggling with the brakes. Famously at McLaren, he was a late breaker. I think it was a change in, in either a brake supplier or something to the pads. And there was this big thing, oh, Hamilton's not as confident on the brakes, but I'm looking again now. So start the 2013 season, um, we've got a, a fifth, a third, a third, a fifth in the first four races for Hamilton in a Mercedes. Whereas Rosberg uh, did a retirement, a fourth, a retirement, a ninth. So, you know, he's having a shocker by Hamilton standards. He's having a shocker against his teammate, against rule change differences. Maybe there's a Vettel-Ricardo comparison I can make. But anyway, he's having a shocker. Yeah. Um, So we're going to have to wait and see because, you know, last week we were there going... Vettel. Is he ever going to turn up to Imola? And there he is, yeah. having an amazing weekend, coming home Loving in, it. 
Hey, loving it. Absolutely bossing it. So we're idiots. Yeah. And as we say regularly, we don't know what we're talking about. So we're definitely not going to cast any illusions that, you know, your Hamilton's going to retire. But it, it, it doesn't look great. From it the did outside. find me watching watching the Grand Prix thinking, can you really change teams halfway through and like <laughs> continue on collecting points? Yeah, I think you probably can. Yeah. Driver, yeah. But, um, yeah. It, yeah. I don't see him going to Red Bull or Ferrari anytime soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just one of those things that it's a tough pill to swallow, but I think this is a thing of following sport following sport and supporting people within sport, whatever it is, golf, tennis, football, rugby, American football, everyone has their peaks and troughs. Mm. And and so... It, I mean, it, if you're a Manchester United fan out there. I don't get that reference, but yes. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, as I say, as a fan, tough to watch, tough to swallow at the moment, frustrating. I, I expect him to pull through. And I just, I think we have to applaud Russell, even though... Yeah, I'm, I, it doesn't make me a Russell he's doing, fan. He's doing the job. Yeah, he, but he's, he's doing a fantastic job, yeah. as is Lando Norris, you know? Yeah. And, and I think the McLaren situation really must give Mercedes hope. Mm. You know, and there's still lots of rumours, you know, rumours are rife at the moment. You know, Mercedes is going to bring a B-spec car to Spain. They're going to completely redesign the thing. There's t- tons of different updates. Maybe they're writing the whole car off, whatever it might be. But how McLaren have been able to rescue that so quickly, when you think of their pre-season testing... Um, Spain first off they were so quick mm. then it went to wrong Bahrain Bahrain Grand Prix disaster and they've reeled it back and there was Norris yeah great race, great race weekend off the back of Australia where they had some pace as well Ricardo without that accident probably was going to be there or thereabouts yeah. too um, and Norris I think just continues to wave a bit of a flag of I'm pretty I'm, good. I'm here. Yeah, I'm yeah. Here. I am here, guys. I'm not too bad. Everyone's talking about Leclerc versus Verstappen. And yes, okay, the McLaren definitely isn't as competitive as the Red Bull and Ferrari, uh, but we cannot discount Norris's ability. Um, and he drove the race that Leclerc should have driven. Yes. 100%. Well, well said, yeah. Um, because he, he was there, and when you actually watched his post-race interviews, he said, we knew that we weren't going to be catching those cars in front, and we knew that there were cars behind that were kind of matching our pace, and all we needed to do was maintain that gap. And, and I think he was happy with being P4. Yeah, it was exactly that, which is where Leclerc should have gone, right, I'm not quick enough this weekend, so... I'll, t- I'll take where I am. Exactly. But um, as a competitive racing driver, that is not, this, not, not as e- easy as easier said than done. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let me have a quick look on Instagram, see what some people were mentioning. Uh, straight away, SW Auto Works, what is going on with Hamilton? Well, we've just been talking about that. <laughs> Paul Van Rouge, Rouge, will Hamilton retire before the end of the season? Is there some motivation <laughs> left? Oh, um, we've literally just answered this. Yeah, question. literally. Uh, and then, you know, this was all of last year, but Matty Davey, 1997, Will Goss, uh, what does Danny Rick's future look like? Is Danny Rick past it? I mean, look, uh, unfortunate incident. It was in the rain. I think, you know, last race and here at Imola, he was looking quick. Mm. He was looking on Norris's pace. So I don't think it's as disastrous as it might appear. But I have to say, as a spectator, I think Ricardo's moment may have passed. Yeah. Um, I think Norris is, is on the ascendancy. And I think it's going to be hard for Ricardo to get on top of that and be the dominant driver in that team. Will he consistently perform better? I think so. It's still early days, guys. You know, if you look at his results this year, he's, he seems to be more on Norris's pace. But I don't know. Do you think this is the end of Ricardo? You think we? You think he's going to retire at the end of the year? I would be amazed if he does. Yeah, so. we're four race. We're four races into such a long season, and there's so much more potential to see from that McLaren. Um, 
and I think he's still got the grip between his teeth, knowing that Lando is this halo child underneath Zach Brown. I think he's he'll he'll have the grip between his teeth to to prove. Hey, look, I'm I'm here as well. In the same way, Carlos will have that battle with the clerk. They will get on. It's the hardest thing to go off the grid and for them to all to hang out and share a private jet back to Monaco. Buzzy mates. <laughs> and then to actually get and compete on track. And I think the experience that Danny Rick has and the amount of races that there are, I think it is going to be uh, a long journey ahead, which is why I still have hope for Lewis and I still have hope for the Mercedes. Um, I, I think I think Danny Rick will has the potential to, to produce race wins well as we saw uh, yeah, last year yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah so he's still there yeah I, I, I agree with you there uh v1cchan vichan i'm gonna go for bottas's fight with russell yeah, of course epic. last few wraps of the race absolutely epic bottas continuing to prove what a talent he is was oh and, like absolutely and i know we gave him a hard time last season oh, such a hard time uh, but, but he underperformed yeah I mean, he underperformed exactly now the shackles have been cut <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 he's racing without pressure He's got nothing to lose. And uh, I think it's probably worth saying he had a, a 11 or 12 second pit stop. They oh, had did a, he? They, yeah, yeah. Okay. So like to, to be catching George right at the end of the race with a, um, an average of 29 seconds in the pit lane, he was stationary for 12 of those, wow. for 12 seconds. Wow. So okay. he lost a hell of a lot of time and had a little bit of bad luck and still... Well, he was involved in drove, that like the first, a, yeah, first yeah, yeah, which right. actually didn't cause any damage to his yeah, car, yeah. but still a phenomenal drive and so good to see him. He's he's lit, as you say, like literally driving without the shackles, and and I think, but again, also gives a big thumbs up to Russell, who in a car that we know is not that easy to drive. He's been complaining about the porpoising, held off Bottas, mm. who looked super aggressive, and I think Russell demonstrated that maybe he's got a great understanding of how to deploy that Mercedes powertrain and things like that. Yeah. Because he was always just there or there. There was one the mistake. DRS, I think it? George went for a move against K-Mag, which brought Bottas into the picture okay. and messed up. He messed up, but then got him later on that lap. But then Bottas was straight past Kevin Magnussen as well. So it was almost like, I'm hunting you down. And I think if the race was another five laps, uh, the Alpha probably would have got the Merc. Fair. Um... So some people asking about, you know, was Hamilton's car different to George's? I mean, I say we talked a lot about Hamilton. I don't think so. I just, having analysed that first lap and looking at how George came, George came into the pits first, I think if Lewis had called, uh, which shows the misunderstanding. Lewis knew that car inside and out. He knew exactly when his tyres were going to turn off. He knew exactly when to call a pit stop. He was almost calling them over his team that had all of the computer and data in front of him to make such a poor judgment of saying, no, 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 we're not there yet. Uh, Lack to, of confidence in the car. Yeah. So if he had called that, he would have come in before George, he would have come in as probably the second or the third car into the pits. I think it was those cars that were coming in. He might have even gained two positions and been up there in the points. And then all of a sudden he's like, right, I've got a race on my hands. Is there a chance that Hamilton is trying to set up this car or deal with its issues with his experience with the old, very successful Mercedes of the last five, six years, where Russell's coming in with such a fresh slate. Mm. He's just dealing with the issues as they, they come. And maybe... What we've seen in Saudi and now we've seen here is Hamilton himself or his side of the garage is setting up that car badly. And Toto's apology, because Toto's pu very public apology yeah, yeah. made it out as though Hamilton's car was undrivable. Yeah. 
you know, as you, as everyone's pointing out, Russell was able to uh, score points and has been scoring points. It, was that suggesting that they just keep getting it wrong with Hamilton's car because Hamilton's trying too hard or using the wrong, or is it just, this is our world champion. We're not giving him a car that's worthy of him. And that's what we're apologizing for. It's, it's hard to know, but it was a bit of a weird comment from mm. Toto because when Russell is doing so well, but also Toto can't turn around and be like, Lewis, that was a crap drive, man. Yeah, yeah. You're useless, <laughs> sort it out. Um, so yeah, a, a bit of a tough one to answer, I think. Um, more people talking about, you know, the the schmiddy, the flop of Hamilton. <laughs> Harsh. Um, Gautier, I, think that's, I think that's generally the, the culture that we have online. Um, the moment someone falls off, whether it's a dip, you cannot operate at an elite level without peaks and troughs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in a sport where you are reliant on your car. Yeah. You know, like we've spoken about this so many times before, you know, and, and when Max Chilton came on, we asked the question, and I can't remember his exact percentage, but it was something as high as 75, 80, maybe even 90% is down to car performance mm. as we're seeing. And it's also about how the driver gels with that car. And there's that amazing, I always reference it, the Kobayashi um, interview on on uh, Beyond the Grid. You know, super rogue, Kobayashi, not the world's most famous Formula One driver, but gave him incredible insight and talked about how important it is for the driver to gel with the car. And that's what we're seeing with Norris uh, at McLaren at the moment. That's what we've seen with Verstappen and Red Bull. That's what we've seen at Hamilton and Mercedes and Vettel with the blown diffuser era. When a driver is fully confident with not only a competitive car, that's when they demolish their teammate. Yeah. That's when they're able to extract every extra tank. And that's when they're able to get gain two or three tenths yeah. beyond what the car is. Max and, Max and Red Bull. Yeah, exactly right, right. that. And so Hamilton now, is, as we're seeing, is in a car which, okay, maybe can be scoring fifth or sixth positions, maybe even fourth. And hey, he, he did get a podium. Let's not forget the start of the year. But he's not gelled with it. Mm. And so so he's not able to extract the maximum from it. But hopefully that will come. Um, uh, Dowd... Dow Dan Dan, Dow Dow Dan Dan Dan. Uh, whether the sprint race adds anything to the weekend, we have also d uh, discussed. Uh, Julian Fry with the DRS delay. So you said, yeah. it to go, do you think it's because it wasn't dry? They felt it wasn't dry enough. It was. It was a. It was a comment that was sort of throughout the first half of the race with um, Crofty and Paul DeResta. They were basically saying like, what, what's going on? Because we've got an obvious dry line. We're now actually shifting onto intermediate tires. Why are they not activating the DRS? Because we're at a point where the cars can follow so closely, uh, but they're not being given that additional speed advantage down the straight. But then I suppose they knew before than just the average viewer that they would get to the end of the straight and one of them would be offline. Yeah. And at that point, it's incredibly dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we saw that when they did activate DRS, it didn't make any difference whatsoever because drivers weren't prepared to put their car in the position where they had no idea what was going to happen when they stamp on the brakes at 200 miles an hour. Well, <laughs> and also just racing side by side, as we saw with Russell and Bottas yeah, last yeah. year, that was a big smash mm. because of just that. Um P Holtz, TV hosting. At the sprint, they should they show just beep and not the interesting battles. Yeah, we've spoken a lot about the direction. Yeah. I think they're getting better, but... Mm. There was still a lot of Lewis coverage. Um, but then again, there was everyone was complaining about Tiger Woods coverage at the Masters. 
Gotta love Tiger. <laughs> um, Rosberg sitting in his house. Yeah, I did hear about this. <laughs> yeah, Some constant crying to Rosberg sitting and in there his was house. quite there was a, there was a funny moment where the connection wasn't there, so they like threw it over to Rosberg, and he was just there, like staring out of the camera, like almost over the camera, and not oh, saying no. anything. Oh, <laughs> and then no. they're like, "We'll come back to you, Nico." And it was like, "Yeah, oh, okay, guys." He had yeah. No idea that you'd even gone to him. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I mean, a lot of these other comments, I have to say, are things that we have have touched can on. Can we can we talk about Schumacher? Oh, well, please. I'm assuming Mick, not Michael, but I'll, I'll <laughs> happily engage. Purely, he felt, it felt like he was out of his depth this weekend. Mm. Um, and it was a worrying performance from him. Multiple mistakes. I think at one point he got black and white flag. He, he had a couple of spins. And... Again, Kevin Magnussen showing what that car is capable of doing. And I know he's coming in really like with a I've got nothing to lose attitude. But I don't know, like I kind of felt like Latifi was an also runner. Amazing that he didn't crash, like considering the conditions. I mean, didn't he crash on his outlap on qualifying or practice or something like that? Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, or spun at least. But it felt like... As I was re-watching the start, like he had a he had a shocking start. He then spun on turn one. He had a moment over the uh, the final chicane. I don't know what the name is. Um, and and I just kind of was watching it, going, maybe. Well, it's not the first time we've thought it's, it. It's it's not, but I know that we've highlighted a couple of times this year and in this year in particular because the Haas is it's decent. Like 100%. it's not like oh they're ten seconds behind no, Williams no, and everyone else. Competitive. Car. Um, and actually putting Kevin Magnussen in actually shows what a good job a, a proper driver could do, like a proper Formula One driver. And I know there was always questions about Mick Schumacher in, he wasn't dominant, dominant in his F2, even though he won the world championship to move into Formula One. And where does he go from here? And we're always going, just get the laps in, just finish the race, you know, just No, just no, but this is the year experience. he has to deliver. This, this is. is the year he has to deliver and he's not performing well. You know, if he didn't have that name and we didn't all have yeah, that hope yeah, and that expectations, yeah. we'd all be sitting here like we do with Latifi week in week out mm. going disaster yeah and, and that's how i'm starting to feel you yeah. know I, I had the hope and the promise of last year okay you know crap car to drive you know imola was also a shocker for him last year don't remember he did he spend coming out of the pits yeah um yeah so you know uh, last year we gave him every excuse that we could or should and i think the whole f1 community did but now you're right he's got the opportunity where firstly he should at least be on kevin's pace if not outpacing him he's younger yeah he's theoretically more driven he's the start of his career he's also been racing more regularly mm. uh, in formula one. Oh, sorry recently um so he should be there or thereabouts and he should have ironed out a lot of those mistakes um but we're not seeing that mm. we're seeing regular mistakes we're not seeing the performance we're not seeing the pace and it, it doesn't look good for him now you know we gotta hope as i say all of this stuff, it, it's such a long, we've got such a long year ahead of us. Um, and, you know, we had some quirky tracks. You know, we've been looking at, at strange races. Oh, let's, look at, let's look at the next race. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, the car park in Miami. <laughs> uh, you know, that is just Formula 1 these days, I suppose. I still sort of keep waiting for the traditional European circuits, but we just had one and no one could ever take. So, I <laughs> uh, don't know what I'm talking yeah. about. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm worried for Mick's mm. reputation mm. Um, as we move forward. And, and we just have to wait and see but it's yeah it's if you get the opportunity because i i actually rewatched it and rewatched it again if you get the opportunity to see the helicopter angle of all 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 of the cars going off it's it's 
a it's a crazy start. <laughs> no, but people drop their starts. Like I know, a I damn know, start. I like know. I feel like you're giving him too hard a time for fluffing his start. Like there's definitely like top drivers who fluff their starts. Uh, yeah, regularly. yeah. Well, Max did uh, in the sprint. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I think there's more. I think there's more. I think it was evidence. it was highlighted because I was obviously fixated on where the Mercs were. Sure. Um, the it kind of like brought my attention towards Schumacher to therefore keep watching what he was doing during the race, especially I know K Mag went back, but fundamentally still ended up in the points and, yeah. and, and ran a decent race in a Haas. A P9. So, yeah. you know, what, what a ledge. Um, anyway, it was one of those things, you know, I didn't really watch it, but <laughs> one of those races, uh, <laughs> which was a big swing in the championship. And, and, and whilst it may not have necessarily been a classic upfront, um, it, it was a very interesting Grand Prix mm. with a lot of interesting talking points as we've just discussed. And as I say, a big swing in, in, in the championship, which which sets us up for some even more exciting races ahead. So going into Miami, I think it's going to be very interesting to see the Red Bull versus Ferrari pace because it did seem like Red Bull took a big step this weekend. It, 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 they weren't just... Should we drop in Tony's note from what this weekend? Which was even with these regulation changes, which the idea of bringing cars together still has brought two cars so far ahead of everyone else. Like what we've had for such long times in Formula One, even though the regulations have changed, we've still got two teams and everyone else is like the best of the rest. I, I, oh, yes. <laughs> As with most things that Tony says, this annoyed me over the weekend. <laughs> because... Welcome to Formula One. Like, do you know, like, welcome to Formula One. I mean, rules have changed too many times than I can remember in the relatively short period that I've been watching it since the 90s. Like, rules change. The way this sport works is traditionally one, mm. two, at best, if you dream all your hopes and dreams <laughs> in the world, three teams can fight for a championship. But I, I will barely be able to count those seasons on my hands, like, mm. like, and from memories forever. It's, as I say, usually two. Yeah. And if not, it's dominance. It's, it's Ferrari yeah, dominance. Yeah. It's Red Bull dominance. It's Mercedes dominance. And let's see where we're about to go. Um, but even, you know, the Braun year, fairly Braun and then Red Bull caught up, but it was still just yeah, Red Bull and Braun. Yeah. You know, the, the, the Schumacher era, I mean, he had challenges from McLaren one year and then Williams a bit, but they were never really fighting. And, Schumacher versus Hakkinen was just McLaren and Ferrari. Like that is the sport we're in. And yes, they made these rule changes in an attempt to bring the field closer. And I think what we have seen even last year is that whilst Formula One will continue to show the best art, the best and development and Ferrari and the big teams will always be the big teams. That midfield pack continues to be more and more exciting. Yeah. And actually last year when it was Verstappen Hamilton, the midfield was so much fun, you know, mm. and the unpredictability we got of, of Ocon winning a race the year before that, Gasly winning a race, the Ricardo victory, that is there because the midfield is so competitive that when the top few teams don't finish, that's where we've got excitement. And, you know, Tony <laughs> is a little bit of a drive to survive <laughs> F1 fan. You know, who last two, you three- You'd be so annoyed at the WhatsApps that he sent me <laughs> about 10 minutes, 10 minutes towards the end of the race, he switched Formula One on 
and he was like, "What's going on here? Why is Lewis in P14?" And I said, "Oh, you know, like he's he's not really ran the best race." Yeah. And he was like, "Oh, okay." And then that was it. And then five minutes later, I sent him another message because that was when Leclerc spun. And he went, "Nah, I switched it off. It was boring. Yeah. Just like F1 was before. That's why I never watched it." <laughs> this is what I mean. I mean, I I was. Tell him to his face a million times. He's a glory supporter, Tony, uh, in most sports. <laughs> Apart so, from the fact that he supports Tottenham. Which is a football reference that I don't get, but most of the other time, <laughs> I just like greatness. I like greatness. Well, because apparently Lewis isn't great anymore. I don't care about it anymore. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, he, you know, he admittedly has come to the sport relatively recently and he's quick to sort of dismiss it. And yeah, I think his whole bit, you know, they've changed nothing. It's crap because his, his goat is no longer winning. He's not mm. that interested. Um, but yeah, for me, this is just Formula One and I think there is excitement. I think there's lots of promise and, you know, I think McLaren are there or thereabouts. I think we will have some upsets this year. I think the fact that Perez and Verstappen are now seemingly at a closer battle, I think science will come on strong. You know, it, I still see lots of hope and I think the rule changes have been interesting. Mm. Um, I think more positive than... Yeah. There's so much more that's come out that's made the racing that we've watched so far exciting first three and look let's not knock Imola but these these first four races have continued at a level ish of last year's best season of all time we've got to take ourselves if we're going to compare the start of this season we've got to take ourselves back and compare the start of last season like we can't compare the last four races of the championship from Brazil onwards to the start because it doesn't doesn't mean as much at the moment. It's just a points collection. I think it's been as good. I, yeah, mean, I, yeah, think, yeah. I, I think it's been as exciting. I mean, I've been on the edge of my seat for most of the races, heart pumping. Oh, well, this one I didn't watch. Like, you know, but, you know, like really loving the action. You're in some plane with your heart pumping yeah. on the edge of your seat for a different reason. <laughs> Sketchy flights, I think. Um, but yeah, you know, there are so many recent years and past seasons where I could easily remember being bored to mm. hell at the start of the year, processional races. Well, this is, yeah, I just, I know that the, the messages that I saw, the tweets that I saw from people saying this race was boring and I was watching it like, no, what are you talking about? There was so much action, so many good things that were happening and the fact that they changed from intermediates to mediums. Um, I do think there are people out there that are getting caught up on the excitement of the end of last and thinking it's going to transfer to the beginning of a, a new season which is never the case and drive to survive yeah. you know it sets up this kind of great drama this great intrigue and we're looking at new storylines now yeah. it's hard to understand it's hard yeah. to see those and and yes Tony I am calling you out in the sense where <laughs> he just looks at it and goes oh right well Russell's better than Hamilton Hamilton's crap who cares about Verstappen and Leclerc it's boring no yeah. one's doing it because he just wants to see Hamilton come through and demolish everything and he doesn't yeah. understand why Lewis can't go from P13 to P1 where in Brazil he went from P20 to like <laughs> Yeah. He just doesn't get it. So, but that's fine. You know, we'll 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 try and coach yeah. him along the way. Um, so yeah, next next race is going to be very interesting. Miami mm. on this kind of purpose built circuit, which I don't know why I'm not that excited by because I don't I'm not a huge fan of new hey, look, city circuits. But blank canvas, blank canvas, blank canvas, and it these might be new circuits enable the engineering of action. You, maybe you're right. You know yeah. what? And I like look at look Imola, Monaco. Let's talk about some of the, the older older circuits that have existed for such a long time and the way that cars have grown and and expanded. Don't see them anymore. Yeah. You're right. So maybe Miami's gonna be an absolute classic. I bloody hope so. <laughs> don't 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 
Don't put, bank on it. Yeah, don't, don't quote Paul on that. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so yeah, you'll, you'll join us once again uh, in a few weeks' time post the Miami Grand Prix. Uh, if you want to share any of your thoughts before that or during the race, use the, uh, the hashtag behind the glass and you can tag either Paul or I on any social media platform. We'll try to include some of your comments or your thoughts uh, in these episodes. Uh, if you've enjoyed this, you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, turn on notifications. Um, I usually say, don't worry, our usual episodes with Tony are coming later this week. I think he's got COVID. He, yeah, he's like, oh, I'm really, really sick. I didn't sleep that well. I'm like, have you got COVID? He's like, oh, I don't know. So he's a bit of a COVID, he's COVID naysayer. He's definitely currently nursing a football injury as well. So uh, yeah, he's, he's probably holed up in bed somewhere feeling quite sorry for himself. Feeling old. Um, so yeah, I, I hope later this week there'll be a regular episode with Tony, but let's watch this space. Um, but no matter what, we will be back with you in the future. So yeah, turn on those notifications. Keep following on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you might listen to this podcast. If you want to follow Paul, he's at WallacePJW on most social media platforms. I'm at Seen Through Glass on most social media platforms and we'll be back with you post the Miami Grand Prix. Which is definitely going to be a Sunday evening race, isn't it, for us? Oh, sick. Yes, it's all. Bye-bye. Bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 